Marco. Welcome to a special episode of Absolute Comics, the show that Sal and I bring to you every Tuesday at about 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, normally, we go through all the comic book news, we talk about what's happening, we have a big conversation, but today we've got a special guest, Scott Snyder. Many of you might know him from his Batman run, from his Justice League run, from his independent books that he's pulled off. Uh, uh, witches. You write too many, man. Witches. <laughs> witches. You uh, told me. Uh, Noctera and American Vampire, right? American Vampire is you. Well, that's Vertigo, but yeah. Well, Well, yeah. Black Label. I'm sorry. It's not Vertigo anymore. But I was was thinking American Vampire, and I'm like, wait, no, what's the name of it? It's something Vampire. No, it is American Vampire. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, you've most likely read something written by Scott Snyder at some point in your comic book reading career. That's the best way to put it. And today he's here (laughs) to talk about his latest book. So. I actually did not prep a first question. Sal, so I'll send it to you. <laughs> okay, so uh, the the main the main headline outside of of course all the other things you're working on, we have demons. Uh, Final or cutoff is coming. Uh, this was one of your Comicsology exclusive books from Scott Tober, and yes. we're very excited because it's going to be available in the direct market. I know a lot of people were kind of like, oh, it's a digital exclusive series. Oh no, I'm sh- I, I know it got a lot of critical acclaim. All the books that came out during that sweep did, but uh, we have demons is the first physical print. Uh, issue from that run it is yeah we're super excited and it's great to see you guys again i miss you, you too, like, we were joking before we went live like every time I rec- i'm like in a different spot whether i'm like <laughs> in my car or he or out in my studio or it's really pouring where I, we live right now so i'm hiding from my kids in our bedroom which is like you my know, favorite was the car call because that was the one now. that like i we assumed you just weren't gonna be there and you were trying so hard to dial in from your parking lot it was amazing but it was, and I, it was it I was it was it was driving that classic car too. It was the weirdest yeah. combination of things. I was yeah. like, my kids were orthodontist in a like an old Camaro because the other car my wife had taken it and it was a mess. Like the whole day was like a a, a, a screwball comedy. But yes, um, uh, from live from hiding from my kids in our bedroom. The um, we have demons like the final order cutoff is Monday and we're so thrilled. It comes out from dark horse. It's going to be three massive issues. It's the whole story clocks in at like 110 pages or something like that. So each issue is like 35 pages of story or so. And then the print has different stuff than the digital. So it's got like the script, it's got designs, it's got the variant covers, the whole shebang. So it's really, really fun. And the whole goal is, it's the first time anyone's done with comicsology or anything really a, a, a digital first that it doesn't just come out as a trade that comes out as um, a single issue format series. So the hope is that if you guys order high enough and the initial orders were already really high, we're really excited. Um, we'll be able to do it with the other books that deserve this kind of treatment as well. Some of the books in the whole line of eight um, that we're doing with comicsology and dark horse might fit better as a trade. For the direct market, but some books like this one and Clear with Francis Manipal and Night of the Ghoul, which is out today from Francesco, Francavia, and me, um, and some of the other ones as well, like the Canary and with Panosian and on and on. Like they're definitely books that fit a uh, single issue format direct market that will be good in stores with variant covers and all that kind of stuff. So if you guys order high on this one as a bellwether for the rest we'll have the opportunity to be able to deliver those to you. And so we have demons. We're going all out. Like it, the initial orders are high enough that we're doing variant covers. So there's variant covers from like everyone that's involved in best jacket. 
So there's an extra, there's one from Greg, obviously, but there's also Tony Daniel from Noctera, Francis Manipal, Francesco Frankavilla, Raphael Albuquerque, Jock, Tula Lote, Jamal Eigel, um, and Dan Panosian, uh, and Ariella Christentina. So there's like a whole slew of like amazing variants. And yesterday we announced we're doing a Peach Mamako one, Eisner winner oh. Mamako, which is going to be signed by both me and Greg. Oh. And you have, if you order your store orders, like I think it's around 50 issues of any kind, you get the pre that variant cover extra Ooh. signed by both of us. So we're doing all this kind of promotion for it because the goal is to show that you can do a digital first book and then have a different version of it come out in the direct market and have it be collectible in a cool way where it still does well. And so, you know, it goes towards what the whole kind of purpose of doing all the books this way is, which is to show the strength and synergy between digital and print as opposed to like when I started at DC, when digital comics started, I remember the day we were, everybody was like terrified internally of it going day and date digital where digital comics would come out the same day as your print comics. And everyone was like, we have to keep it the same price. We have to keep it the exact same content. It has to come out at like noon and not earlier on the day of. Right. And I understand all of that, but like nowadays it feels like digital is going to wind up, overrunning print or 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 hurting print by being held in a competitive position because if you don't have a comic store if comic stores shut down for covid or any of that stuff you go to digital and if i go to digital i have to pay the same price for like the same book exactly then i'm choosing between one or the other that's right if i'm paying like a subscription where i can browse for one price of one comic a month thousands of comics and then i decide i have more money to go to the store and pick up the creators that I love doing, you know, whatever they're releasing, whether they release, whether I'm picking up the single issues or the trades or whatever. So I'm a believer in that as at least part of the future of comics, if not, you know, a large part. Like, I think that that kind of a methodology will work for a number of different creators, a number of different publishers. So that's what I'm really hoping here is that, like, you'll read digitally, you'll rip us off and, like, read it for very, you know, all the <laughs> right now, if you had a subscription, you could read you know, issues one through four or five with Google of all the series and, you know, and demons one through three for that. And by April or May, you'll have even more because we're coming out of the second wave in April and May and that. So nice. same thing for one right. price, like one month, you could read all of it in one month and be done at five ninety nine. So, so let me ask bad. you a question then about this. Cause I, I've always been a, 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 someone who's been about digital and physical. And that's always been my biggest argument about, you know, I get a lot of digital comics, a lot of digital movies, a lot of digital video games, and it's always the same price as the physical, which has always been the big argument. Like, oh, well, why would I spend the same on digital unless it's – I do it for convenience, but I completely get why nobody wants to do it. Yeah. So I, I like the idea that you, you're trying to make the physical a more of an event and stuff like that. Yeah. So what I wanted, what I wanted to know, though, is when, you're, when you were writing this and you were planning this out – did, were you did you keep in mind like okay i know it's going to turn into a graphic novel but i want to make it so that each issue feels separate because nowadays yeah. a lot of comics i read just feel like a graphic novel a lot of times you hear the sentiment of just wait for six issues read them all because yeah. <laughs> yeah if you if you read this one it has like very very distinct chapters and cliffhangers where it doesn't read like a graphic novel it each each issue has like a very like a very designed and sculpted kind of arc. And like the first one is told from the point of view of one character. Basically, if you if you haven't looked at it yet, we have demons. It's about a, a young woman named Lamb. Um, 
McCray, who essentially uh, finds out that her father, who's this small town pastor, used to be a member of this group called the Glories that has been hunting demons for, you know, eons. And it's all based on this fun kind of um, science about uh, the lightest and the heaviest elements in the universe and how the lightest elements is used to, to create weapons to fight the demon virus, which is born of this heaviest, super heavy element that kind of eradicates life across across um, the galaxies. And so it brings her into contact with all these cool characters and her father's old partner is this part demon guy who looks just like Greg Capullo, even though Greg doesn't see it. I can see it. I can definitely see it. It's big, like heavy metal, you know, heavy metal, hard on your sleeve, fists out, fun, like, you know, deep fried in a like burrito of gore and adventure and whatever. But it's a personal book where it's about like, I wanted to write a lot of the, the theme of a lot of these books is kind of trying to think of how the world that my kids are facing and the kind of ways in which I hope they'll not only be better than us, but they'll find their own version of kind of a faith in themselves in the future. And so that's what the book's about. It's about her needing to find, because faith makes these, any kind of faith makes this kind of weapons light up, um, find her own version of a faith that's different than her father's and be able to fight these demons. So um, anyway, like with that book, the first issue is told from her point of view. The second issue is told from Gus, the demon's point of view. And it goes, so they're very, very like issue one, issue two, issue three. And the gamble was like, I didn't know if we'd be able to do single issues, but I hope that they'd, you know, I'd hope that with it, this book, at least they would trust the sales in the direct market enough to let us do it. And they did. So they've been great partners, Dark Horse. Um, and, you know, it, with the sales looking really high, promising with this book, the hope is to do it with other ones that, you know, that feel like they would work well with retailers, that retailers would want in the store. I, I don't want to glut them with like, here's all the books in single issue with variant covers at the like the goal is to think smartly about like and ask them and say which ones do you think fit the best in a you know monthly format which ones do you think fit better for you as trade and that you know and and really have it be something that like has a good healthy you know footprint all around best track so that's the goal it feels like it's actually a really nice bridge uh, between what Benny has been talking about on this show in particular, and I'll, uh, I'll get to bring it up to speed. Uh, we talked about how uh, hype has kind of been oh, yeah. missing <laughs> lately in the uh, in, in the direct market in comic books right now. You know, it went from midnight releases, of course, COVID really deflated that, but also uh, it's still been kind of tough to recover, not necessarily from sales, because of course, over the coronavirus uh, the pandemic, sales did go up from physical. Uh, but we're looking for that event. We're looking for that way of oh, yeah. getting people excited about comics, and that goes hand in hand with your approach. Of course, you went off and made uh, not only one this we have demons, but also like four or five other completely yeah. different genre bending titles, uh, and made uh, link ups with Dark Horse so that those books are available comicsology originals, but also that they're available for the direct market. And you're creating this new kind of like event around the the sales of these books so it's like hey come to the comic book store pre-order this book buy it get excited about it see what else is out there and and kind of tie that in because i i, I don't know have you noticed a kind of uh, softening yeah. of excitement around yeah. the like, I culture talk about of it all the time with james tynan and a couple of my friends like and some of it i think is just kind of the tectonic movement of comics where you know 
when I started at DC, it was DC and it was Marvel and they were in New York and there was a rivalry and there were known personalities at both companies for good or for bad that like were in that kind of competition. And there was like a Mets Yankees kind of, you know, who do you like kind of thing. Yeah. And the more that they've been kind of acquired and adapted upwards by parent companies for me, it was Warner brothers and then it was AT&T and then it's discovery plus and you move out <laughs> to LA and for Marvel, it's, you know, Disney and all the sort of companies that are, are part of that, that whole, that whole kind of megalopolis that they are. There's more sort of stepping back of personalities, I think, and more of a kind of emphasis on the brands of the characters across multiple platforms. And there's really good stuff from that where you see an opening of the doors towards multiple versions of characters across medium and in within one medium, which you see with all this multiversal stuff and all of it. And there's exciting stuff, but for comics proper, I think there's also a, like a, a lack of kind of centrality in that way where it feels as though there's less, there's, there's less of a kind of center arena where people are kind of talking to each other, whether it's, about social media on social media there's like decentralized kind of conversations happening now with substack and different places and i'm part of that as well and there's also a decentralized kind of i think reading arena where marvel isn't kind of head-to-head with dc the same way we don't we don't look across the aisle at each other as much there isn't the same kind of these are the marvel people and these are the dc creators and they you know that there isn't the same kind of image image i think Similarly, there are a lot of different indie companies and image is absolutely, you know, the the behemoth in the best way. But I mean, there's just a lot of different publishers trying a lot of different things. And so really great things like from Vault to Boom and so on. And they all have different rights deals. And so for better or worse, you know, and I think there's a lot of benefit to it for creators and empowerment, and all kinds of stuff. There's also kind of, I think, a lack of a lack of kind of energy in the center of it all where it's like there isn't kind of a, a main stage the way there was before quite as yeah. much if that makes sense like there isn't that same like holy shit it's summer blockbuster time and we're all going in on this it's a little bit more like everybody has the thing they like and those things are a little bit a little bit kind of unattached to each other in different ways and that can be a great way as well it's just it's definitely it, to me at least it feels like a seismic shift a bit you know away yeah. from from that kind I, of bullpen rivalry kind of stuff. Right. You guys yeah, feel I, like that? Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, well, definitely. yeah, basically, because that's the issue that we've seen in the comic book industry recently. Like, a great example is recently James Tiny just wrapped up Fear, uh, Fear State over at Batman. Yeah. And over at Marvel, Spider-Man Beyond just kicked off. And you would think that these are two huge events. Everyone should be talking about it. But every time I cover them, there's always like half the comments being like, I don't even know this was a thing. Yeah. I didn't know this was happening. And it's like, how are you reading comics? <laughs> like it's it's on everything that is Marvel and DC related. How are you not tracking this? But yeah. it, the hype weird. just doesn't I mean, seem to be around anymore. It's really hard to tell, man, because like like to to track it into another zone. Like you know, I think it's almost like we're all writing on the backs of more and more of these like megalodons in in the cultural like entertainment landscape. Yeah, and they there's huge benefit to a lot of it. Like for example, I think a perfect battleground right now would be like the comicsology stuff which not to shy away from i think the interface as somebody who has a huge stake in you know comicsology as a as a great publisher and a place that i'm proud to be 
seeing the the kind of hurdles that um, the interface like ran up against and seeing how um, how many some of the problems that suddenly were there for everything from you know the reading experience to crediting to that it was challenging you know but when knowing a first of all like knowing everybody at comiXology those are like dyed in the wool comic people who are like absolutely dedicated to fixing it so i don't have any worries about it getting restored quickly but the thing that i'd say is that my suspicion you know knowing knowing the reason for them doing it is that opening up comicsology and comics to the Amazon algorithms and the Amazon readership so that if you search out as an Amazon reader who is not necessarily familiar with comics, Batman, and then you suddenly start getting Batman comic books in there. And yes, like the danger is that it could favor big creators, big publishers. And I know that all the values of comicsology, I think, are about not letting that happen. I mean, out of the books that they've chosen to publish in Comicsology or Comicsology Originals, they've picked some of the most progressive, in my opinion, over the last year. So they've definitely been up there in terms of the risks they're willing to take and the kinds of books they like to publish. So they're committed, I think, to making sure that, you know, emergent voices and and um, exciting new um, voices across comics are, are, are foregrounded and heard. So that is certainly not, you know, a good thing for it to, you know, point towards only mega mega books but what i'm saying is as it's fixed and as it starts working better the idea that an amazon readership is suddenly now being directed towards comics i i know that it's bringing an audience or it will bring an audience that's going to exponentially increase readership in some zones you know and that it, it's all about who knows what will happen with that like right it could wind up becoming a huge benefit for indie creators in a way that exposes them to a readership through algorithms and through things. If their comic is like, you know, this series of books or, or it could be something that, that winds up needing a lot of work in all kinds of ways. So I don't know, except to know that the people there are committed to making it help comics and making comicsology itself, you know, better than it was before in terms of a reading experience. But as an example, of like benefit problem, it's the same kind of thing. Or like as an example, a benefit problem, like, you know, same thing with like DC right now, the the sales are up, like they're doing well, you know, right. DC yeah. in all kinds of ways. But part of it is by, like we said, like decentralizing and not necessarily having it be the same immersive tapestry reading experience it was when we were younger where all the books have a, a shared universe. It's more Black Label is doing its own thing over here and doing great. You know, they have um, the creator-owned stuff they're doing over here with Joe Hill and other people and Black Label stuff. And then they have, you know, main superhero books, which are are tighter but not quite as connected, like a tighter line, but not yeah, quite yeah. as connected as they... And it's working. So the benefit is, like, it's doing well for them and it's an adapted, streamlined model that's not all one shared universe the same way the way it was when even when i was there just a few years ago yeah but the downside is um you you leave certain things behind or you're missing certain things that a lot of people really like too so it's just one of those moments i think that it's easy to get really excited or get really angry and scared you know about the things that are changing or the things that you love that are missing and that but it's also important to look at all the things that are expanding and that are good for comics in even the things that seem immediately to be 
I don't like this, you know, or this is uncomfortable or that on both mm-hmm. on all kinds of from all kinds well, of angles is what I mean. Speaking of that with the comicsology update, we haven't actually got to talk about that on the show yet because that went down last week and this is our first show since then. Yeah. As somebody who has been using comicsology, because comicsology is the reason I got passionate about comics. Before, when I was over in Afghanistan, over in 2011, 12. I read, I read like, your post. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah. But before that, I would go to the comic book store, but the comic book store experience for me wasn't like inviting. It was, I went in, I bought Spider Man, I bought Batman, and that was it. But when I was overseas and just trying to kill time between missions, I discovered comicsology. And yeah. this was amazing because it's like, oh, look at all these superheroes and I can try all these weird comics that I've never heard of and not feel weird buying them. And, oh, should I know more knowledge? Should I not know? That's what I loved about comicsology. So I'll admit, when I first saw the changeover, I was like, this is dumb. I hate it. You've had the same thing since 2011. Why did you change it? Right. <laughs> well, yeah. No, right. I mean, but that that's like gut reaction as a human. You don't like to see changes to something you use on a weekly basis. Oh, yeah. daily there, basis. There so. are real, and there are real hurdles to <clears throat> making it as good as it was before. There are problems with the, you know, the reading experience. And there are problems with crediting. And there are problems. With, yeah. <clears throat> and like, I'm not denying that at all. I just think knowing the team there and how committed they are to making sure that they're comic folk, they're not Amazon folk. Like, and the goal, their goal is to open things up to that kind of Amazon search. Right. So they're bringing in like this massive new influx of readers and yet make sure that comiXology is the same or better experience that it was before. And I know they're working around the clock uh, talking to, you know, Chip and other people there all the time about them doing it. I mean, that's my horse in the race is is less, you know, I'm not like I have stake in the company. Of no, you work there. It's <laughs> No, but I, I've been, I love, I'm the same as you, Benny. Like I, you know, I, I believe deep, the, the reason I did this deal, because I could have, I, we could have done it, the creators like, you know, done things, you know, half of them at Image and half of them over here or panel syndicate right. or whatever. But the benefit really was to me not just the security of the rates and the kind of having the ancillary rights which they're great about so we own the rights to all the stuff for tv film and you know we get a great rate for making the books the bigger thing beyond that that really was attractive was that at a time when the industry was really fragile or seemed really fragile doing something that you believed was at least one possible way forward or one possible kind of strengthening mechanism for the industry as a whole and the health of it because I do believe that we need to start thinking about models that have subscription-based sort of lending, subscription-based browsing, mm-hmm. like Amazon Prime, like Netflix, yeah. like you pay a subscription and you have access to the library. And some things are limited and not within that library, and that's fine. And then making print, having people have more money to go to the store for print and letting them be selective in a way that they really come away with a special experience. So... It's not because it's so expensive now too to go to the store yeah. and buy, you know. I it's just it's not the hobby it was when we were kids. Like so, well, that's an argument I've had a long time ago. Because you you always see the people going, comics are dying, manga's winning. But also one thing that they don't seem to keep in mind is like, if DC or Marvel are going to put out thirty books for their line individually every single month, I remember when I was in the army, I had twenty bucks. Right. Twenty dollars is what I went and bought comics with. So if you weren't one of my four regulars. I didn't even try it. Like that was the end of that. That's what I'm saying. Like I was on a tight budget and trying to convince my wife that I wanted to buy more comic books. That was not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I, and, and that's all, I mean, like, you know, if, if we were being greedier or I was trying to gouge people in this way and 
not that I'm such a you know wonderful saint or whatever, but like we'd be saying, hey, buy everything singularly, buy buy yeah. each issue thing. But I believe in the idea of subscribing, even if it means somehow like less less particular views for our books, because it also means discovering all these interesting new voices that are on Comicsology Originals. But in addition, they've got forty thousand titles that are classics and creators from Frank Miller to Brian Vaughn and so on. And the excitement of being able to have people go and fall in love with comics and then go to the store and say, you know, you go to the, cause the thing is, man, like you could always bypass the store. When I was a kid, I had a subscription to my own comics because yep. when I went away to, you know, for the summer to camp and that stuff, my dad would send me my subscription. So you could always just get them from the company but you want to go to the store because it's experiential and because it's a community and because you get things that you want to hold and keep, you know, and that doesn't always necessarily mean just reading the floppy. It means like getting the special variant or the, so that's why with these books, what we tried to do is make the print something special when you go get it, as opposed to reading the digital. And, you know, I don't know any better than anybody else, but that's my belief. Like my belief is that this is one model that might, might really work going forward for some creators and some, some publishers, you know, a subscription-based digital and then a special print version. Mm. I mean, I agree with you because I, I, we've talked about this a little while now. I've, I've felt for a good while that we're going to move into a subscription model with comic books or it's going to go almost entirely digital and that the physical market's going to be the collectors with the extra stuff and make it more worth me running to the store and spending the money and being a part of that community. Yeah. And as somebody who is – because, I mean, I do a lot of video games and I recently started really getting into – Xbox has a thing called the Game Pass – and what I love about it is there are the big titles on it, like what you're talking about with comic books, but there's a lot of those independent titles that I never would have spent money on, right. but I'm willing to try out because they're on Game Pass. I'd That's love to see something thing. like that with comic books, where it's like, hey, I got my Batman, I got my Flash, but now I can check out all these people I've never heard of and see what I like about this. That, that's yeah. what I mean. Like That that to me is what... And, and the, the joke to me about manga... And manga's taking over. That's the model of manga. The model of yeah. manga. My kids read on Crunchyroll and Shonen Jump mm. all the time. And then that's the yet the library at Barnes and Noble is huge for manga. And they go yeah. in there because they want it on their shelf. And they release it in all these great boxes. My kid just bought a Death Note thing yesterday. Like, you know, they. I, mean, if, I do that all the time. Any manga that I enjoy, we've got a shelf with all my graphic novels. And now I've yeah. got a manga shelf. And it's like, I've already read this, but I want it on the shelf. I want it to look good and be right. presentable. This is going to be cool. And I want to kind of show off what I read, you know? And I think. And then I sometimes you want to hide what you read when it's a manga. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a balance. You know, that the thing yeah. that excites me about this and other forms of this, like what James is doing on Substack and other things like that, Tynan, you know is that there are models that people are playing with that give readers access to the material for very little money and then ask them to, to, if they want, to purchase collectible versions of it that still help the stores. Because the model you're talking about, Benny, too, I feel like if we lean into it now, like I could just do, hey, digital only, no print, and then in print, just do a big hardcover and that's it. Yeah, You know, that's that's kind of, I worry what happens if you don't, if we don't start making a bridge between digital and print in a way that mm. allows for single issues or for more kind of collectible um, chapter books of a series to come out in ways that keep feeding readers, you know, over time. So for me, like the goal was to be like, hey, the print is single issue, but it's a 40 page, 50 page, really awesome thing. It's more than that. It's probably like 60 because you have a script. 
you know, it's, and there are all these different cards you can get in that. So it's like trying to find a middle where it's like, you can read all of our stuff for very cheap digitally. The print is still kind of single issue. So retailers have like a monthly flow, but it's also special when it comes out in print and gives a different experience, you know? Right. Yeah. So again, like it's, tr I I'm excited by everyone that can right now. And my friends like, like James Tynan and Jeff Lemire and people trying different things, some exclusive image, some doing, you know, really going all in on Substack, some trying to find ways that they believe will create a stronger bond with fans and allow them to read material for cheaper and, you know, then be able to go buy physicals at a store that are collectible and special and make them feel part of something from the ground up, you know, yeah. give them a whole yeah. variety of stuff. Well, it's certainly, I mean, you know, it's, I, it's reflective of it's ref, yeah, it's reflective of what people, certainly younger people, are uh, the relationship that they have with their media, right? It mm -hmm. is it yeah. is subscription based, even if it is free. It's like subscribing to YouTube channels, Twitch channels, TikTokers. Like yeah. it's it's uh, they consume their media that way as it is. Speaking their language might be a better way to bridge uh, generationally that That's kind of right. media. And we're we're getting used to it too. I mean, I get used to it. I have Audible, right? So like a small example, like I listen to, and we live out here in the boondocks, we drive a lot. So I was like, oh, I'll get Audible, I'll get a subscription. <laughs> I listen to books all the time, like doing everything. And then I always, like if I finish the book, I want the book. Like I, yeah. you know, I want it for my shelf. I don't want to have just read it on Audible if I loved it. I want the book. Like, yeah. like I always end up buying the book or you know, the hardcover of the book because I listen to it. And so there's that. They're like to me, that's just one but it's across the board that way. I'm, I subscribe yeah. to podcasts through Gimlet. I subscribe to, you know, all the things you do, Netflix, Hulu, whatever. And exclusive content on there is exciting. And then when I love something, like, you know, if I love, I love Stranger Things, my kids love Stranger Things. We buy the books, we buy the comics, yep. we buy the, you know. Yeah. I, I, am, I am a, I, know? I, my brother likes to call me a shill. But if I enjoy a series or a movie, I'm the first guy that's like, all right, what merch can I get to at least Shirts, support this? Statues, <laughs> hats. I mean, Sa matter. Sal has yeah. seen me show up. I'm like, look at my new hat. This is Batman on it. Look at my new yeah. shirt. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's you what know? I mean. And that that to me is that's that model. There's a way of doing that and still keeping comics, physical comics healthy yeah. in stores, like without it being something where it's only like you read everything digitally and all comic stores get is merch. Or, you know, that's what we're trying to do is, is say – here's kind of a middle ground to test it out. We're doing digital first and then single issue comics and the single issues are more collectible than normal comics. And yeah. you have a variety of options to buy them. You can buy any of these amazing variant covers. Like I said earlier, Monday final order, or you can <laughs> buy, you know, the, you want to go all out. You can get the sign Greg and Scott peach Momico one. And that if you're playing the speculator game, because you know, it's also there is that, a, just out of curiosity. Where do I get that, Scott? Because I want that very. <laughs> yeah. I, I can give you. I'll get you guys one each if you want. <laughs> I'm not but gonna like, say yeah. no. <laughs> like, I want. I like. You know, people are always like, "Oh, people are doing it to flip." I love. Go do it to flip it. Like to be totally upfront. Oh, like, there is no, plenty just, of there's plenty of media wall. interest in We Have Demons. Like, you know, they're definitely. It's one of those books that you know I'm. I can pretty much tell you, luckily, because we love it and it's personal is going to get picked up for TV and film. So yeah, if you're oh, yeah. a speculator, get those covers if you want, because it'll pay off, I promise. And then 
you know, do I mean, we, I just get it for my right. collection. I remember our first meeting when I awkwardly had all of your signed stuff behind me that first day, <laughs> and I didn't even think about it. And I jumped in the interview, and I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm not a stalker, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but I mean, like, you know, just talking honestly with you guys, like, we're old friends now, and we go back and we all love comics, like, yeah. I'm not leaving comics for anything. You know, I'm not going to do TV or whatever, any of that, not knocking anyone that does, but I'm just saying like this, this medium to me, like the worst thing we can do is sort of just try to keep it what it is or what it was, as opposed to even when it's scary or it's uncomfortable, looking at the benefits of the things that are, are changing and adapting in ways that could bring in a newer and younger audience. And that doesn't mean changing the core aspects of comics or characters in ways necessarily. Yeah. It just means being open-minded to the sort of big shifts happening across the landscape and understanding that we can take advantage of those in different ways to try and get more people to fall in love with comics, you know? Mm. It's That's funny you bring this up. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say real quick one thing that I've, I've been doing. Because, I mean, I haven't made it quiet. I've been trying to figure out a way to break into comic books and not be mm -hmm. like, oh, just let me do it and I'll promote it on all my platforms. I'm trying to actually <laughs> get in. Um, yeah. And after getting shot down a few times, I decided to kind of do what you're talking about. Try to come up with my own method to make my own book and see what happens. Yeah. So we're actually creating it and I'm getting it all drawn up to only put on YouTube. And That's if it does true. well, then maybe kickstart it and go that direction with That's it. That's what but I'm saying. You know, get it to people ahead of time. Be like, look, I can do this, That's or have them all shit on it, but we'll find out. <laughs> the, the thing is, like, the weird thing I'm saying is like all these things that also decentralize the conversation, like having Kickstarter or having you know uh, all these different ways of artists selling art. Whether you know, I, I'm learning about like I'm not I'm not anyone that. You know, I'm not supportive at this point of NFTs and that stuff or any of that. You know, I, I've been asked to, to do them many times. I'm not interested right now or any of that stuff, but it's just not on my radar either. I'm not knocking people necessarily that, that do it. I, I have to learn more about it. It's just not something I'm, I'm into. But that said, like one of many, many, many emerging ways that people can take you know, like Substack, like YouTube, like Kickstarter, like any of it, you know, like, becoming you know huge on instagram like you see all these things where people find ways of taking control of their own um you know ip their own intellectual property their own talents and making their own stuff in their own ways now and that that can detract from i think the normal arenas that we're used to everything playing in because it moves conversations outside of it but it's also really exciting because it means you're going to get things from places you didn't expect and they're going to be cool new voices and you know, all of it. So that to me, like each one of these things that we talk about, like Substack is a whole day conversation about how that's exciting because it allows people like me or James, James is making books on there. That's one choice. And I think it's exciting. I'm teaching. And for me, it gives me an outlet to teach and it allows me to do my social media in a way I'm way more comfortable with than Twitter. And if right now, if when the algorithm of that thing switches over from the grant that they gave us to, you know, me making the money that I'd be making anyway from social media, I'd have like a livable salary just from my social media. And mm -hmm. so that's never available to me on Twitter or any of that. And, yeah. you know, I love the interaction with fans there and talking about what I like. And what that means is that gives me the means, the, the literal means to make more books and be like, oh, I can do this without having to work on licensed property if I don't want. And that's just one leg of the stool. So I'm saying creators all of a sudden have all these 
you know, opportunities. And yes, like I'm, I'm a privileged creator in the way that I've, I've come up, I had a lot of breaks and I came up and I'm, I'm established. So I understand that it's different when you're starting, but I have a lot of friends that are starting and I try and stay really active in that community. You know, not, not in some big public flashy way, but you'll see this year, especially us, Best Jacket funding, we just funded, you know, Virtuous Con and we're doing a grant that's going to be announced soon with, with women in comics and a bunch of stuff. And we're going to start putting out books as well. So I, I do try and see what it's like. And I can say that as it's, it's the same way all across the cultural landscape, in my opinion. It's like full of anxiety, even like I'll give you an example. And again, not to just talk, to go down a million rabbit holes, but like I've been lucky enough to be in the witches, you know, writer's room for the TV show. Hopefully it will get greenlit. I don't know yet, but if it does, like, you know, I really think it's going to be amazing. Um, but being in there and talking to writers in TV, similar things where there's more work than ever because there's so many shows for streaming where there weren't before. It was just like the main shows you know, on cable TV. So there's more work than ever, but the work is shorter and less certain and there aren't residuals because they're not reruns and they're not committed jobs. So it's the same thing where it's like a wild west across the whole entertainment industry where there's like weirdly a lot of new opportunities, but less security and certainty across the board from the traditional places that used to have it, like DC and Marvel, you know what I mean? Yep. Mm -hmm. But there are new opportunities that are suddenly there where you're like, Maybe I can take better control of my career and do things on my own in ways that don't depend on DC and Marvel. You know, there's a different balance. And again, those companies are different than they were. You know, they don't, when I was coming into DC, it was an exclusive contract war. Everybody was getting exclusives for two years, three years. They don't do that really anymore. You know what I mean? You hear about it once in a while, but there's not the same, everybody locked down on exclusive. Yeah, I remember more. that was the big thing a couple of years ago. Marvel's got these guys, DC's got these guys, and that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like, it's an interesting, spooky, fascinating, exciting moment in comics to me. Yeah. Where there's, it's like trying to get 30,000 feet above it when you start to get freaked out or you start to get overly excited about one thing. Just getting above it and being like, is this piece of, a, is this part of a larger, kind of a larger thing happening? And there is always going to be good and bad to both and trying to get a handle on it that way. And being yeah. like, where do I fit in in this? If you're a creator, you know, what, what do I feel most comfortable with out of these different new opportunities and danger zones, you know? Yeah, this is, this is really starting to make a lot of sense. I, uh, as a follower of your Substack, and uh, of course, if you are interested in Scott's uh, talking here today, check out his class. It's available through a Substack. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but you mentioned decentralization in your Substack on one of your posts, and it inspired us to make a video about it, but also that, uh, when you started in comics, comics looked a certain way. The industry itself was it had a set. It had spoken and unspoken rules associated with it, just like TV and movies and everything else. Every media had it. But you're saying you've identified, and I think in a in a very profound way, that there was a big, significant shift in the winds when it came to subscription services and the diversification of media in general. And it looks like you're carving out. A position for yourself through comics and through your own endeavors to match that change mm -hmm. so and 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 rep and kind of like lead the way lead the charge in a way to say like this is not the way but it's a way and it's at least trying something to maintain and and and, and progress to the next level because like 
any if you're if you're a hot shot anywhere, comics, movies, TV, there's a lifespan. And yeah. if you don't embrace new technology, if you don't embrace the way the new way of thinking or doing things, you will be left behind. Yeah. So, and I've always like, you know, I, I, I've always <clears throat> wanted to to take risks, you know, with it, whether at DC or not. And for me, the fun is, you know, the first rule of that class that I do is you always have to be, you know, doing something. The first rule is like you have to write the story that you'd love to pick up and read today. But what that means is exactly if you're always holding your feet to that fire, it's you always have to be exciting to yourself. You always have to be right. the one that you'd like to find that day in yeah. terms of what you're doing on the page and off. So, you know, I remember talking to Lemire six years ago, five years ago, when he was like, when he was starting to pull away from Marvel and DC more. And he was like, my model, because he was like, I see the streaming stuff heat up, is I'm going to just put out as many really strong indie books as I can at multiple publishers. And so they don't cannibalize each other at one place. And then ultimately, you know, because we had After Death, think more and more things were getting optioned, right? Yeah. After Death is like an extremely difficult book to make into a TV or a film. <laughs> yeah. You know, not to, if anyone wants it, it's actually, it's at, Sony, <laughs> right? it's at Sony right now. So, you know, I would like, but if it comes back to us, it's gonna, it could make an amazing film. So you, everyone, <laughs> you know, no, but I mean, like, it's, it's not the most obvious high concept thing, right? That book, same thing. It, it got optioned very quickly. And what it made us realize back then was like, there's just such demand where when yeah. like I've said this to you before, I think, but like, you know, it was just like Thursday, eight o'clock at night. There were some shows that we all watched and whoever worked on those shows had tremendous job security. And now it's more like everybody, you binge show, it's all volume. Like every oh, yeah. platform wants the volume of TV shows and movies that, you know, has more than the rest. So they yeah. just fuck up everything, whether it gets made or not, who knows? But Lemire said to me, he's like, I want to have eight or nine books in rotation with option, meaning like when you have something optioned, if you're interested as a creator and you, you haven't experienced this yet, when you're able to option your own stuff or sell, you know, you're, it's, they're essentially a film or TV company is renting it. They're yeah. renting it for about three years or so. And during that period, if they make it, you get a lot more money. It's about like eight to 10 times the amount of the option usually to actually okay. put it on TV, which is very rare. And it's a big yeah. jackpot thing for it to make it on TV. Mm -hmm. um, but it's more likely that you'll have things option and the option will return to you at some point. And if the right. thing is strong enough, it will probably get optioned again and go out there. And so if you think about it and you have like eight or nine indie books that are strong, high concept books in general, they continually get option every like three years to five years. And you have that, that's money to live on just from that loop of things yeah. happening. Even if none of them ever get made into a movie or TV show, it's like a repetitive income cycle like that. So again, not to get like to business portfolio comic stuff, but for people that are interested in making comics that are out there, that's yet another thing that I'm like, it's a spooky time and it's weird. And, but it's also exciting because yeah. you have more likely you're much more likely if you make an indie comic to be able to see that thing have a second life in other ancillary media, even if it never gets onto a screen and make money from that than you would otherwise. So then in the past, like when, yeah. when I started. So yeah, again, everything is both right now. Everything is like exciting and scary. It's like two, everything has those two sides of the coin, you know? Yeah. 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 
So that's uh, that's the way it feels to me, you know. Seriously. I'm watching the time on when you said you had to get going, Scott. So why don't we start? We mentioned again why you're actually here. What you're trying to promote? We'll, we'll remind <laughs> sure. everyone that way. Well, that's so I could like we should do it at night and have a drink. I could talk to you guys forever, you know. I mean, I, you I, ever I, mentioned I, alcohol? I'm on board. I mean, I may have had a, <laughs> I may have had a few too many at your party at New York, but that I don't think mess. I made too bad too big of an. I think ass everyone myself, did. So well, <laughs> it was people were teasing me because they were like, "Oh, you're lucky you did Scotttober, not Scott Brewery." or whatever <laughs> the comicsology stuff but i was like yo i i swear to you on my kids like i i would happily do it now even with all the problems you know the hurdles with the interface because i'm proud to be there and i know that they're going to fix it and all that stuff yeah. i believe i mean that's always a great sign that it. you're enjoying it and like yeah. as someone who's been with comicsology as a customer for about 10 well, over 10 years now yeah. I'm hoping this is going to resolve. Like, I'm just a little resolve. bit grudgingly like, no, why did you do this? And oh, mostly no, I mean, because, I, you know, yeah. we're all, we're all I, reticent to change. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing the issues that they're having right now at all. I'm just saying I, I know them well enough to know as friends that they're, I believe in them and their ability to fix it quickly. I think they right. will. So, right on. Yeah. So why I'm here, um, demons, the final order cut off. Please, if you believe in anything I've been saying about digital to print, order because the higher the numbers are the more likely not only will we be able to do this with more of the best jacket books that we're doing but you know other creators hopefully will be able to do the same thing in different formats where they could right. you know kickstart do digital their own way and yeah. literally sell you the digital pdf and then have evidence that then they can go to the direct market so i believe in this method if you do please pick it up um foc final order is monday we got a lot of cool covers and the other thing is that Night of the Ghoul is out today. Like I said, I'm really proud of this one. It's the fifth issue, second to last of this arc. Francesco and I are already talking about what we want to do. Next, we'll take like probably about a five to six month break if we do something so that he can get way ahead again. And then I'm back and do a, a, another monster mash together. So I hope nice. you'll pick it up. I really, I'm yeah. really excited about it. And then... Yeah, I mean, the only other thing is if you guys, if you heard about the class and you're interested, sign up. It's I, I do recommend it. I don't. I don't. It, you do it on a day that doesn't work for me, but I always re read everything you're posting. I listen to the the recording stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Record, I do recommend it to anyone interested in getting into the industry. Yeah, if you can't if you can't make it when we do it live, at, like once a month on a Wednesday from my comic shop, usually like we archive all the classes and video and audio, so you can just listen or read or any of it. Like so, yeah, whatever you want to do. But it's over at our best jacket at Substack. Yeah, dot com. So. Check it out. But you guys, thank you. I, I honestly like it's a it's a highlight. I love getting to talk to you and hear your thoughts on all of it, too. And you're same here, man. I, well, I'll I, definitely take you up on that offer about a beer. We'll work it out. We, you have, you have a very busy sure. schedule, so I'll figure I'm it out like, with you. Uh, but. I'll probably be hiding in the same bedroom and just like, <laughs> get, get all cozy. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you thank guys, you so much for joining us. We really appreciate Thanks you being, being here. here, man. Anytime, brother. Take care. Thank you. Bye. And there you have all it, right. ladies and gentlemen. Scott Snyder. Give him a hand. Hey. <laughs> um all right so that's absolute comics is gonna be a little bit weird today guys because we're just there's not much news per se outside of the comicsology thing but you just mm -hmm. heard to talk about all of that so what i did want to talk about to kind of close out our show to kind of get things up today i why why are you looking i told you yesterday you I know, knew Sam, let's do it. <laughs> i wanted to, everyone is on the fence about donny kate's hulk and ah, I have yes. a theory as to where he's bringing it. So I wanted to talk about the new Hulk run by Donny Cates right now. Yes, and Ryan Otley. Uh, and Ryan yeah. Otley, yes. I've read so, every issue, and I've bought every issue. And let me tell you something. Uh, I'm not a Hulk fan. 
I am a Hulk in, fan, though. In general, like I'm. Not I mean, like, if Hulk you guys fan. don't know me, I'm like the '90s edge kid, like Wolverine, Batman, Azrael, Punisher, yeah, what, exactly. Punisher. When I was a kid, it was Spider-Man 2099. You know why? He has talons, like because yep, he cuts you. <laughs> <laughs> He's the edgiest character from a hundred years from now. Yeah, man. Uh, but uh, but I, 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 that being said, you know, I loved uh, Immortal Hulk. I was like, it's Donny Cates. I gotta read this book. It's on the ground floor. Uh, yeah. And every every time I read Hulk, I was like, "What in God's name is this book?" But with I have a theory. Added, I have a theory. But, well, yes, but with an added caveat of, I keep reading it. Like it takes yeah. me ten minutes to read every issue, and I'm like, "What the hell was that?" But I still <laughs> buy every single issue, so I'm like, "Okay, there's got to be something here." Benny has a theory about where the, well, why this book is the way it is. Go ahead. As far as Starship Hulk goes, like him driving the Hulk. <laughs> Like I it's don't, a starship, yeah. That that is the part that just makes me go, what, why, what, how, huh, what? Now because it's comics, because you can, like yeah. because because they've <laughs> never done it. And you're right, but I I gotta see how it plays out because if it just yeah. ends with him being like, and now I drive him home, I'll be like, Dude, that was dumb. <laughs> I, I I actually because you have a theory about the the overall concept. Yeah, I have yes. a theory. I have, I have just a very brief theory about why people don't like this run. Okay, and I think it has. All right. I think it's because Hulk fans, like right here, they're right they're not yeah, but they're not like like when you're a Hulk fan because you're a fan of like many different characters, the Hulk included. I'm telling you, like there are people out there who like the Hulk is their number one character, and like the Hulk is such a different character from Batman, Spider Man, Superman, Sp- the Punisher, Ghost Rider. It's it's such a different character, and I think that one of the biggest things about the Hulk is that he is a he's pure strength. Yeah, and part of, like his costume, like you know how like the Avengers must have been like when Marvel was uh, was starting to get huge because of the movies they were racking their brains about how to make a logo for the Hulk, right? Like, what what's Thor? Hammer, Spider Man, his face or webs? But like Captain America, Shield, Hulk, fist. But he, because his 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 costume is his whole body, his <laughs> raw human strength, right? When you cover that up. In robot nonsense, it it, it it just does something to a Hulk fan that goes like, no, nah, I don't want to look at that. Like, put Hulk in armor? People are like, no. You put Hulk on, put a shirt on him? Forget it. No. His, like, his his costume is pants. End of the story. Only, I, I think the only costume that ever flew beyond the pants was, like, the World War Hulk, Gladiator Hulk look. Yes, people, people seem like, to like that one. Right, but that's because that's, like, that because... The, the clothes were minimal and they represented strength. It was like, it was, it was, you know, gun battle. Like uh, people liked uh, the gun belts in the nineties because again, yeah. it was like, he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but green still yeah. represented strength. I think that if you put like a helmet on him and you give him like a bunch of ro- like a bunch of tubes and stuff, people go like, that ain't Hulk anymore. Like that's weapon well, I think, X. I think that's the problem with spaceship Hulk's outfit. Yeah. I never thought about the outfit as being the issue. No, but, but I think like, I don't like the it's visor. Like, that's the yeah, I don't like the yeah, visor. That's right. I don't no, like you want to see him. You want to. He has one muscle. I want to see like just a <laughs> big mu- dude, just a big dude with big muscles. And when you cover that stuff up, it does something to Hulk fans. I think that's. I think that's subconsciously why people were like, "Boo!" Even though there's never not a moment in the book where Muscle Hulk is smashing something massive. Oh, but yeah. But it's in the mindscape, so it technically doesn't happen. So I think that's why people are kind of, like, upset about the book. Anyway. Uh, well, so, I mean, I'm not upset by it. I'm just, like, coming out of Immortal Hulk into this, I and I have faith. Because Donny Cates has shown me on Thor, on Venom, on all of his books, they go somewhere. 
yeah. goes somewhere, it calls back, it does a great run. And it's obviously going something. It's like telegraphing, like, we're heading in this direction. Right, but what I think he's doing, and here's my theory on it, he's he has essentially moved the Hulk to a different Marvel universe where every superhero is gamma irradiated so that the Hulk will have to fight the Marvel universe again, but super gamma irradiated versions. Now, if right. you have not read it, this is my brief spoiler for the cliffhanger of issue four, but that was your chance to leave. Uh, yeah. But at the end of issue four, they kick Peter Parker out of a plane and the, the, the other banner makes the comment of they killed Parker. And I'm like, Oh, so they just kicked him out of a plane. That's lame as hell. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. only for him to grow like 10 times bigger than the Hulk. And right. he's a spider Hulk. Yeah. And that's what I was like, that's what he's doing. We're going to probably see Spider Cap, Spider Thor, Spider... Like, I know some of them are already dead, but... Yeah, like, yeah some that's... of them are dead, but, like, yeah, like... Or hulked out Cap, hulked out Thor, hulked yeah, out Yeah, and that's yeah. what he's going to fight. It's, it's the Hulk in a spot where he can fight hulked out versions. This is the theory, so if it doesn't go this way, don't yell at me. <laughs> right, right. But it's... Kate has made his own Marvel Universe to smash. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's cool. Like uh, number 1, I think that's that's a fair theory to make. I think that makes sense. Um there are a few like he can't smash any any X-Men characters cuz I think they all died. Uh, yeah, like they killed all of Krakoa. They're like those mutants are gone. <laughs> oh yeah. No, they just blow up Xavier's mansion. It's hilarious. But like uh I, I didn't I don't think I remember Wolverine being there, so I bet there'll be a Hulkverine, but not yeah. like uh what's it called? Like Weapon H. You know, so I, I think what uh, happened I think to Weapon H? He's on the Secret Event or the Savage Avengers. That's coming up. Is he okay? Good. Yeah, You're Weapon like- H. They're bringing back uh, a bunch of characters for that for that book, including Flash Thompson. Like he's going to be on that team. Because so, yeah. Weapon H was a cool idea that never went anywhere. No, but I'm like I you know took the, the Hulk and that. Wolverine, and that was amazing. Yeah, and the plot was good. The way it worked was great. And I'm like, yeah, what happened to him? Yeah, I I uh, I know that the writer on that book is really hyped to use. To we- to use Weapon H, so <laughs> you'll see. I guess that's cool. I mean, so. I I thought that was a terrible idea. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh Hulk come on, with Wolverine, with Wolverine claws. claws. That that sounds like a like a toy, but at the same time, I will say, like I have been on record in saying there are no bad ideas, just bad writers. So, uh, you know, listen, I'm I'm hyped that there are fans of Weapon H and that he's getting another shot. Because I don't yeah. think that uh, honestly, I feel like Weapon H when he emerged was the worst time for that character to emerge. It was a lot of a lot of stuff going on with Hulk and Wolverine, where it's like this is not the time to merge those characters. Right Wasn't <laughs> did I can't remember when he came out because it came out like right was I think it right it was Hot after, Claws? I think it was yeah, during was like say, hot, like there were a lot of because lot Wolverine of, like, shows up in the book, so he was alive. Right, like I think it was just that there was a lot going on with both those characters, and then to go oh like. I'm already kind of stressed out over both those characters to introduce a merging, like a character that's essentially a hodgepodge of those two characters at the same time is like, you're, you're kind of just reminding me this is all silly. So oh, that's right. That. He came out a totally awesome Hulk. Oh, so that, we had that very that the, weird Greg Pack creation. That was not a good time. <laughs> no, no, it was not. And I'm pretty sure that was right around the time Wolverine just came back. Hot Claws time, like you said, yeah. so. Yeah, somebody asked, by the way, uh, if you look at the cover, like, Flash looks like Eddie Brock anti-Venom, but he is, anti- he is agent anti-Venom. Uh, the, the writer suggested that, like, 
he's gonna he's gonna he's got his own journey going on in that book and like there's an explanation for why he looks like both agent venom and anti-venom so that'll what, be explained what irritates me about flash thompson just to go on another tangent because we're trying yeah. to pad time to the end of this episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could just read questions if that's the case but yeah uh, but no but i'm saying because I'm, I'm a flash thompson fan i, I everyone know. knows that i he's love agent venom. Yeah. i love the original why was his return in that weird carnage book because that wasn't that was the about only place him? they could put it like, why doesn't he have a book again? You've literally, you've revitalized him. You gave him a role. He's out there, and yeah. we're not doing anything with him. I, I think it's just because nobody, nobody has a strong new Flash Thompson book idea outside of those who are making that new Avengers book. But like, even then, he's on a team. It's not going to be about him specifically. Right. It's, be about him it's, on a team. it's like when they moved Scarlet Spider away from having Scarlet Spider books. Yeah, back when it was Kane. Yeah, and put him on the New Warriors, and it was like, uh, that's just a Scarlet Spider book with a bunch of characters in it. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> that's all I was at the time. Yeah, but because he wasn't like, even on the team, if you remember correctly, he was like, "I'm not on your team." And they're yeah. like, "Oh, Scarlet Spider's gone." Yeah, he left. He literally yeah. walked out the door. Yeah, he's he gone. left. He's an Iron Man now. But uh, and that wasn't even him. That was Ben Riley. I'm sorry. But like, the point is, uh, didn't they like? Didn't they set that up at the end of uh, King of Black? Wasn't that in Venom 200 where it was like? Eddie Brock's like, I'm back, and I'm doing this. This is my new status quo. And then no one did anything with him. Like, yes, remember, and he's like, no. I'm hunting, I'm hunting other symbiotes. Like, well, it was weird because yes, they did that with him, and they said Dylan is the new Venom. And then they, yeah. they came in, and uh, Al Ewing and Ram V changed that yeah. a little bit. Dylan is still the new Venom, but not willingly. He stuck doing it. Didn't want anything to do with it. Which I'm like. But we ended the last one with him swinging away. But okay, whatever. Yeah, he liked that. He picked yeah. the chains. <laughs> He picked the chains, right? So they revamped yeah. it. But what I found weird about the current Venom run with Al Ewing and Van V about the doing the Dylan thing is yeah. they made it so that Dylan doesn't want to be with Venom. But now that. he is again. So we're literally back to the status quo that we were at Venom 200. Like we just, we took a two issue break to get back to it again. And Eddie right, Brock. Which didn't need to, yeah. <laughs> and then Eddie Brock is dead and revived in the future. Like. Yeah, I'm on. I'm uh, I'm digging what they're doing, but just like the Hulk book, I'm like, where is this going? What? <laughs> right, right. It's not. It's not. There's no clear defined path. Yeah, uh, and that that is that can be frustrating, and I totally get that. I'm not reading any of those books. So I <laughs> I don't care. That's why you and like, I get along oh, so no. well. I read the stuff you don't read, and you read the stuff I don't read. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Um. But like, I, I'm not reading Venom. But uh, but I did, <laughs> and I dug it, and it was good. And I'm like, but yeah, no, I. With with respect to this, I couldn't I couldn't even tell you. But I will say that like at least Flash is back. Like when they brought Flash back, I'm like good because you know what? Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if people want a Spider Man who kills people, Superior Spider Man. If people want a, a fun like war themed secret agent kind of Venom character, bring bring Agent Venom back. Yeah, like, make Flash Thompson a Venom. That's End why he was great. It was it was the ideas of Spider Man, but actually different. Right, like if you're not gonna like if if Seeker is never gonna be on Dylan, then give Brock Seeker, yeah, or Sleeper or whatever it was. I don't remember the name of the, I think, the I, green cat one. I think it's Sleeper. It is Sleeper. You're yeah. right. Well, in any and, case, and I agree. I was actually gonna talk. One. I was actually like, gonna talk about this with my brother today about how they keep just every Spider Person they just make him Spider Man again. Like yeah. a great example, we've been covering 2099 here on the Comic Storying Channel. Yes. And we were debating today, should we move forward after we end the initial 37-issue run? Because there's mm. that weird spinoff that wrapped up plot points that came out like five years later because they just kind of yeah, went... Yeah, that does that does wrap up their plots, though. Like yeah. the Doom and, uh, and the yeah, future. Yeah, so we're like, well, stuff, we'll yeah. do that. 
And then I was like, and what about the 2099 modern day one that came out during Superior Spider-Man? And we were, and we both agreed. Oh, the modern one, yes, but not the not the Time Storm one. No. Skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking how like remember when they did this in like 2016? Superior was out, brought back in Miguel, and instead yeah. of doing another 2099 book, they decided to put him in modern day. Yeah. And he just acted like Spider-Man. That sucks. Like, that's like, because, it's, okay, so you don't bring Miguel, because what's the difference between Miguel and Peter? Miguel's a jerk. That's like the big difference, right? Right. So like, but but I don't have a shortage of jerk Spider-Man <laughs> in the present. <laughs> Not in 2016. Right? Got, we had Ben. Uh, yeah, in 2016, we had, Kane. had Ben, Kane, and Otto. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And, and then they were like, how about Miguel too? And it's like, Miguel's in the future. You You don't. Here's the thing. His one defining somebody, factor that separates him is, is, is cyberpunk future Spider-Man. That's it. And they got rid of that whole thing, and they were like, he's in the present. <laughs> no, there are two things, that and his costume, and they changed yeah. both of them. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? I, I, I completely agree. The reality is you should not publish a 2099 book unless you have a writer that can sell a book that likes Blade Runner. If, they, if, if you don't have that then don't bother making that book. That's all. Like, yeah. Spider-Man 2099 is a fun, really good book. The one from 1992 or three. Because yeah, Peter I'm David right was now. like... He's doing a lot of crazy yeah, stuff. Exactly. Peter David likes cyberpunk. That's it. Like, you know, the reason why that book like slaps and Hulk 2099 sucks is because nobody had a good idea for Hulk 2099. Punisher 2099, if you haven't done Punisher 2099, you gotta do it. Because... I want to, I want to do that in Doom. I Doom is the one... I didn't okay. know the story behind Doom, and we just did the it's, crossover where the Thor version shows up, and they all have to fight it, him. It's really and I'm good. like, what is going on with Doom? I really want to know. So I looked into it, and I'm like, I want to do Doom. <laughs> do Doom. Don't do Punisher until later because it's so stupid. Like, Punisher 2099 <laughs> is dumb. Like, I'm sorry, but it's dumb. But dumb in a good way or dumb in a bad way? I think it's the perfect kind of dumb, okay. but it's the kind of thing that I, I would not tank my – I wouldn't tank it. For Punisher, I do Doom first because Doom is awesome. Like Doom is legitimately cool, yeah. And Punisher is legitimately stupid. So you know, it, it's it's more like when you do Doom, people are like, "Are there more?" You can be like, "Yeah, I'll do Punisher," because at least it's interesting. There, there's this, there's this amazing sequence where a woman he loves is turned into glass, and he hugs her, and she shatters. And he just grips the blade, like the, the shards and blood pours out of his hands and he screams. It's just, there's so many like horrible, his, for a while he runs around wearing this like pixelated Punisher logo mask. There's a lot of really crazy stuff well, in Punisher. The whole idea of Punisher, because once again, he's in that crossover. It's funny yeah. because I'm, do, I'm doing the crossover and we get to the X-Men and I'm like, all they did was do a, a bunch of names and a hat to make it 90s yep. edgy. Bloodhawk, Murder Fist. Like, what is wrong with you? Why yeah, is this? X-Men 2099 sucks. And, here, and here's a blow <laughs> about X-Men 2099. Why did they use Wolverine? Because even in 90s, Wolverine oh, lived no. forever. Because back then they were like, no, there there was a mandate. Like, no one can come back. Like, it has to be that, like, literally no, you, you will never see any original characters again. Like, it's, it is the future. Like, they're all okay. gone. Like, that was a very strict mandate. They were like, nobody can come back. Now, they broke that a little bit, but, like, for the for the longest time, which is actually kind of cool, because it's very pure. Because like, here's the thing, if you're if you read 2099, especially back then, you were like in an ocean with no life preserver. You're like, I don't know anything. Like if you love X Men, you read 2099, it's like not X Men. Yeah, at all. You're like, what is this? And it's like, if if Wolverine were there, you'd be like, thankfully, okay, 
Okay, I got I got some footing here. No, you have to like a character. Now, hopefully, if you do like X-Men 2099, you don't like Tina. Because <laughs> she doesn't make it past the third issue. But everybody else, you know... <laughs> But uh, no, yeah, I, like, I just find the whole 2099 it's, it's crazy because the more deeper I go down this rabbit hole, yeah, because I yeah, yeah. I read it when I was a kid and I don't remember anything about it and it never went beyond Spider Man anyway. Yeah, so we no, decided to cover it on the channel. I'm like, oh, it'll be fun because no one ever covers all of Spider Man 2099. They always no. cover the origin book. I just no I, one, I lit, when we did it was just the first volume. Yeah, no one talks about it beyond on. that. Yeah. And, like, I'm remembering all of this stuff as I'm going through, and I'm like, this is crazy. And, like, Punisher showed up in the crossover, and I'm like, let me, what's, pu Punisher's yeah. in his mind. He's just two people. What? <laughs> Dude, the Punisher is inspired. He finds one of Frank's old bunkers, and he reads the war journal, and it basically makes him go crazy. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I'm him now. And it's just like, <laughs> what? Uh, no, you got it. What you should do, if you, because you could use your connections to do this, call, like, Peter David. And you could record the interview, but it won't do well. But, like, you could talk to him and just be like, just to be like, ask him every question about the formation of 2009. Because, like, it's, an, it's a fascinating story that I've never really had answered. And it would, like, it would, it would add to it. Because you're like, cause especially because he wrote all of 2099 Spider-Man, which is the only thing people read. But, like, it would, it would add to it. Because, like, the story, the formation, like, what were they thinking at the time? Like, I have an interview with Stan Lee that I read literally the other day that's from that where he wrote Ravage and they like basically created 2099 so that they could give Stan Lee a book again. Right. And so Stan wrote the eco-terrorist Ravage 2099. <laughs> Ravage and is great. Cause he also pops up in, in that 2099 storyline, right? Sucks. <laughs> yeah. But not only that, but they like, they, they tried to make him important. Like, yeah, he has to be important. Cause he's it was Spider-Man, Punisher, Doom and Ravage. And I'm like, yeah, why is Ravage important in this? <laughs> because Stan created him. Dude, and what's great about Ravage is it's not just like, okay, so Stan created Ravage and it's like the only book that Stan wrote for thir in like 20 years for Marvel. But also, Ra the reason... Okay, so Stan wrote Ravage. Yeah. And because Stan created Ravage, that's why Carnage is called Carnage. The plan was to call him Ravage. And they were like, oh, we can't use that. Stan's making a book called Ravage. So then they went, uh... oh, well, then we'll call him Chaos. And then they went, oh, we can't do that because, like, I don't remember if it was because Brian Polito's Chaos Comics was happening at the same time and Lady Death was huge at the, at the period, or if it was because there was a character named Chaos. But, like, they went from Ravage to Chaos to Carnage, and now they've got... And can you imagine, like, them not using Carnage? that like, Or, or the, them wasting Carnage on one of those five symbiotes? It's Phage and Lasher and Carnage. Ugh. Like, no! Carnage is so iconic and so important. Oh, and yeah. He was gonna, and he was gonna be Ravage! That so, would have yeah. been great. That would have right? been awesome. Anyway. <laughs> but, and, and, all right, and, and guys. Hulk sucks. <laughs> and Hulk, Hulk is garbage. The best part about Hulk, last thing I want to say about Hulk is, yeah, yeah. so we got to the first, we got to 2099 Unlimited, which is, what they did was, they did 12 issues of Spider-Man 2099. He did well. They launched 2099 Unlimited as the intro to Hulk. Yeah. Okay? But here's how it gets weird. Oh, yeah, So the what they did was, all the covers were Spider-Man versus Hulk. That's what they did for those. Yeah. And it was like a spin-off book where Spider-Man went over there. Spider-Man never meets Hulk. I had to Google the original Unlimited 2099 to find out Hulk was the backup story. Yeah. Spider-Man was the intro story and they don't meet. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's 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 such a lie. Uh I have that issue because I bought it for the exact same reason. Yeah, you're uh, like they're going to fight. What? Yeah. Cool. Nope. Spidey has like virtually no interaction with anybody. Until he doesn't. Until they're like, 
okay, uh, we want to do like a crossover, so he has to deal with everybody now, and it's like, but the, oh. even the even the Thor even the Thor crossover, he yeah. deals with Thor, gets thrown out of the battle, teams yes. up with Punisher, and they've mm-hmm. got like two lines every comic until he gets there for the final fight, yeah, where he literally yeah. goes, "You're doom, aren't you evil?" Huh. I am tired of you, little one. And then they fight, and that's the end of it. Like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I won't give it away, but let's just say that you won't see the end of, of Miguel and Doom interacting with each other. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, 2009 is a crazy ride. And what sucks is, like, you know, they've tried a lot. Like, the, that Time Storm book, uh, the 2099 They're doing it again series. this year as a and celebration. Doing it again this year. I don't think anybody really gets it. Like, it's never hit that level again. Even the books that suck... They have a really like interesting style and feel, yeah. and no one's writing them without also thinking like oh, wink. Like no one's just writing them being like, and then like this, like, you know, like the public eye investigate. Like there's there's no joy and no like anything can happen. It's just like kind of like a well, I always liked that book thirty years ago, so now I'm gonna like wink and nod and make fun of it. And yeah. It's like just no, like it. Rick Leonardi's art is never better than it is in Spider-Man 2099. And it's like, because it's cool and dark and weird. And when he draws stuff in the main universe, it looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really works I, in that universe. I'm going to end our discussion here with this last thing. Please. I yeah. don't even know what happened with that recent 2099 Nick Spencer thing. What oh, was that? I didn't even bother. It I, came I out, at, I saw it, and was like, oh, that's cool, and then it was gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That is, it's, Marvel is not, a, it's not afraid of just abandoning something nowadays. Like, remember New Warriors? <laughs> yeah, I do, because I went over there because Scarlet Spider was on it, and then it immediately, like, after the first arc, he's like, no, I'm not joining your team, bye. Yeah. And that was it, and we didn't have our Scarlet Spider book anymore either. <laughs> no. Well, they canceled Scarlet Spider, and Yost, I think, took over for New, New Warriors and was like, I mean, I'm not going to stop doing Scarlet Spider. I mean, people have read that book. Well, they used it as a, as, a, as a quick way to wrap up the plots that he wasn't able to finish on Scarlet good Spider. For, I mean, good yeah. for him. Because, like, at least if you were reading that book, because I fell off of Scarlet Spider eventually. But, like, if you were reading that book and you never got closure, that sucks. So like, The only thing they never gave us closure on was they, they closed up all the plots that weren't the other. Because right. he became the other for that book. Which is such a good use of that character. Like, I love, yeah. the, I love that Kane became the other. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Anyway. So. All right. Well, this has been Absolute Comics. We get together every Tuesday if the episode, uh, we occasionally stream it over here on YouTube for all you guys watching over here on YouTube. But it, it does go live every Tuesday over at uh, twitch.tv slash comic story and on the podcast yes. network where we stream shows every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, yeah. Don't forget to go check out We Have Demons. Go pre order that one, the physical edition. And go check out Sal over at Comic Pop. Uh, how did your 100K special go? Was it good? It went great. It was almost eight hours long. Oh my God. <laughs> I go like yeah. three hours and I lose all my steam. I know. No, we were literally just. We ran for seven hours and 47 minutes. You can catch it on youtube.com slash comic pop returns, or you can subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop and get us to like 100,005. <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> but all right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you next Tuesday. Uh, there will be no show Thursday. I'll talk about that in one second when we're not recording, but thank you guys so much.